Brian did promise me that my voice would have the richness of Morgan Freeman <laughs> when I speak from now on. <laughs> uh, at least maybe not as bad as Pee Wee Herman. Um, and if those who don't know who that is, just disregard I said anything. Well, we're in the middle of, or the end of a, middle of and end, <laughs> a two-week series on being the edge. And last week we talked about the ideal that we are intended to have margin in life. In other words, uh, we, we are intended to have in our life uh, edges or margin or space for others, uh, that, that we're not supposed to spend our money to every dime so that we're always constantly stressed about finances. We're not supposed to be so overcommitted in our calendar that we're, we're stressed for time and, and we're stretched. We, we are met, we are created for margin. As a matter of fact, into the very fabric of creation, God inserted or included the ideal of margin, of Sabbath, of rest. And too often in our life, this margin has been ate up. Uh, we, we talked about progress last week, and, and, and progress is good, but progress has this tendency as, as we progress to eat away of our margin. So all these things that, uh, that we have now that we didn't have 30 years ago have not necessarily made our life simpler. In many ways, it's made our lives more complicated uh, for, for whatever you want to look at, whether it's uh, the way we, we do our housework or the way we work at work or, or whatever, our cell phones, our smartphones, all these things ha have been created or have the idea of giving us more margin, but it seems like we have less margin in our life. Uh, relationships flourish in the margin. In other words, it's, it's when you have space in your life that you have space to love other people. That, that when you are completely bogged down by your schedule, it doesn't give you room to love other people. And when your finances are so stretched, you cannot be generous. As I look around this room, there, there, I, I know in your heart, most of us want to do more. <laughs> And yet we are so stretched in our time and our finances that oftentimes we cannot be generous and we cannot be loving. The very act of loving requires a self-giving. And if our margins are full, we cannot give. If I have nothing to give, I can't give, I can't love. And so relationships flourish in the margin. The relationships with your spouses, with your kids, with your neighbors, with your friends, with your coworkers, with your churchmates... It flourishes in the margins, and when those margins are gone, relationship suffers. But we can choose to live with margin. We can choose to find margin in our life. Pastor, you know, the, the, the culture, it, it's anti-cultural, it's, it's counter-cultural to have margin in my life. And, 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 I, and I kind of believe that, that, that the culture works against your relationship with God and your relationship with others. And, and, and I still believe that we have an enemy of our soul known as Satan, as the devil, whatever you want to call him. And, and I believe he's subtle. And one of the things he does is he fills your calendar and your obligations to the extent that you can't serve and love other people. I believe it is a systemic um, temptation of the evil one to keep us from the things that matter most. And so it's true. It's, it's countercultural to build margin in your life. But you can, and we can choose. How? Well, you know, one, one way we talked about budgeting. 
Who likes to budget? Raise your hand. I hate budgeting, right? We all, we all, we all, I wish I could just spend, spend, spend. It's a lot funner to spend money than save money. You can budget. You can, you, can, you can consider your commitments. You can look at your calendar. You can take intentional steps to say, I need to create margin in my time and my finances so I can love like God wants me to love. I read this book. I finished a book this week called The Art of Neighboring. And, and I got to tell you, we're, we're going to be talking about the art of neighboring at some point. Uh, the, the premise of the book is a simple one. Uh, the, the author says, what if I loved my neighbor as myself? What if I really lived that? What if in my neighborhood, and he's not talking about neighbor in some philosophical way, but the people that live right next door to you, that live behind you, that live near you on your street, what would happen in your neighborhood, in your community, in the kingdom of God, if you just truly loved them as you loved yourself? I think it would revolutionize our community. That's, that's my opinion. And that's the premise of the book. But he gives three lies that, that people believe with regard to margin, I believe. Lie number one, things will settle down someday. <laughs> Who's thought that? You know, Terry, Terry and I have said our whole married life, at some point things are going to get calmer. And I'm still waiting for that day to happen, Right? We live this lie that when this happens or when this occurs or, or, or when I get to this point in my life, then I'll begin to find and create margin. Lie number two, more will be enough. <laughs> if I can get this much in the savings account, if I can get to this house, if I can own this car, if I can get this level of retirement, if I can achieve this position in my company, then it'll be enough. The, the truth is, there's always more to gain, isn't there? We, we've all fallen that, for that to a certain extent, and, and we just keep on that treadmill, and, and, and more is never enough. And the third lie is this, everybody lives like this. <laughs> and the truth is, most people live like this, but not everybody lives like this. Some people have intentionally chosen to place margin in their life because relationships flourish in the margin. So the question of the series is, do you have margin? And of course, I believe that the initial question is, do you have margin for God? Eugene Peterson says, busyness is the enemy of spirituality. It is essentially laziness. It is doing the easy thing instead of the hard thing. It is filling our time with our own actions instead of paying attention to God's actions. It is taking charge. <laughs> and so the truth is, if, if we don't have margin in our life, we don't have space for God. We, we don't have space for relationship with God. We don't have space to pray. We don't have space to read his word. We don't have space to be part of a, a small group. We don't have space to grow in our relationship with God. Micah 6.8 is one of my favorite passages in the Bible. It's an Old Testament passage, and God speaking through Micah says this, He has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Wow. What a tremendous passage. And one short verse Act justly, love mercy, walk humbly with your God. 
As I, as I read that verse, there is a slowing down effect of it. Does anybody see it the same way? That, that as I read that verse, it's, it's almost as if God's saying, okay, take a deep breath. You know what I want of you? I want you to be just. I want you to show mercy. I want you to walk with me. It's a margin verse. It's, it takes time to live this way. You can't do it at a frantic pace, but you got to stop and spend time with God. Terry and I like to take walks, and uh, we do it quite often, as you can see from our, our from my facility. Uh, we do. We love to take walks, and uh, you know, it's it, it, when we're able to do it. It helps in our relationship. You know, it's not a race. It's, you know, it's not how far can we go or how much, although I tend to think like that. She's, she tries to keep me from thinking like that. But we just spend time with each other. And so this passage is this invitation just to take time and spend it with God. To create margin in your life so that he can speak. The margin's not just about my relationship with God. It's about our relationship with others. As a matter of fact, I would say this. If your schedule is so full, if your margin is so full that you don't have space for others, I question whether you can truly have space for God. Because the Bible says, if you can't love your neighbor who you see, how can you love God who you do not see? And so there's this principle that if we're going to create margin for God, we better be intentionally creating margin for other people as well. Where it all just becomes about us. But God uses our margins for others good, others good. And these are Old Testament principles. You find these in Deuteronomy 24, 9, through 22, when you are harvesting in your field, you overlook a sheaf, do not go back and get it, leave it for the alien, the fatherless, and the widow, so that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. When you beat the olives from your trees, do not go over the branches a second time, leave what remains for the alien, the fatherless, and the widow. When you harvest the grapes in your vineyard, do not go over the vines again, leave what remains for the alien, the fatherless, and the widow. But remember that you were slaves in Egypt. That is why you command, I command you to do this. In other words, you know, don't, when you harvest your fields, if there's something left, don't get so frantic and consuming your entire margin, but, but leave it for people that are powerless, that are in need. Leviticus 23, 22, when you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Leave them for the poor and the alien. I am the Lord your God. <laughs> Leviticus 19, 9 through 10. When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Do not go over your vineyard a second time or pick up the grapes that have fallen. Leave them for the poor and the alien. I am the Lord your God. In other words, built into the culture was this ideal that you didn't, you didn't harvest to the edges that you left margin, that you didn't go over the fields twice, but, but you left something behind for those who were forgotten and powerless in need. And, and the translation is that we can be the edge, that, that when we leave margin in our life, that, that somehow people can glean from our life. That those who are forgotten and left behind can gain value from us, that, that we can be generous, that we can be truly loving. 
See, we serve and we give from our margins. Now, margins are kind of funny things. I believe that when we fill up our margins to the edge, the further, the further we go, the further from the, our thoughts goes those outside, the outsiders, the forgotten. See, it kind of moves inward that, that, that when we begin to fill our margins, the, the first person that suffers is the forgotten of society, the people at West Central. You know, that they, they fall by the wayside. That the, the people that, that no one else cares about, that the people that need us more than anyone else. And eventually it works its way into our family. And, and that's, that's kind of the levels of it, that, that the outsider falls by the wayside first. And then eventually when we fill our margins, there's not even space for the people that we love most. And I believe God's saying through these passages in the Old Testament, I, and, I, and I believe they give us application today, is that, that God wants us not only to care for those closest to us, but those other people have forgotten. We serve and we give from our margins. I, I finished a book by Alan Hirsch and Michael Frost called Re-Jesus this week, and that's another one we're going to probably talk about at some point. And in this book, they say, Christology determines missiology, which in turn determines our ecclesiology. Now, that's a lot of lologies, isn't it? <laughs> in essence... Jesus defines our mission. And our mission determines how we should do church. In other words, we talk about all these things that we do as a church. The conversation begins not with our preferences or our desires or our traditions. Our, our conversation begins with who is Jesus. Stop and think about that. If Jesus were a church, what would church look like? The real dangerous question that we sometimes ask is, if Jesus were a church, would he look like our church? Sometimes yes and sometimes no. Let's, let's be brutally honest. And not just our church, any given church. There's times that we do a really good job of showing Jesus and being Jesus and there's times that we don't. I would suggest this, that when we become consumed with us, we miss Jesus. See, Jesus is our model. I've been reading through Luke. I'm in Luke now, and, and uh, spent a lot of time the last few weeks in the Gospels, and it's, it's been good. Do you realize if you read one chapter in the Gospels each day, you would go through the Gospels four times in a year? Just one chapter in the Gospels, once a day, four times. In June, I'm going to challenge some of you to do that. I think it's worthwhile. What do you think? <laughs> but I've been looking at Jesus in, in the book of Luke just recently, and you know I've been in the other Gospels, and, and, and Jesus is fascinating. Jesus is fascinating, folks. He's radical. He's, he's hardcore. He stretches people. 
in, in the midst of the ministry, he's got people pushing around him and, and everybody wants a piece of him and some of his time and he's healing and he's teaching and he's doing all these things and, and then they'll say things like, and Jesus withdrew to spend time with his father. <laughs> Jesus intentionally created margin in his life for God. But not only that, so, so you've got, think of, think of the day of Jesus. Jesus is, he's served, he's prayed, you know, he, he's taught, he's, he, he, he's done miracles and people have pressed in around him. It's been frantic. It's the end of the day, it's him and the disciples. And then you hear these stories of Nicodemus, the, the woman at the well in Samaria, where Jesus intentionally leaves space for one-on-one space conversations with people. Jesus left space for God and people. <laughs> the, the, the God man, the, the perfect man, the perfect example, we, we, our vision statement is we are ordinary people following Jesus. So, so we are following Jesus. We are disciples of Jesus. He is the model of our life. And, and through the power of the Holy Spirit, we believe God is transforming us into people that can show Jesus, that can have the mind of Jesus. The one we're following created space for God and for others. <laughs> Are you? Am I? Am I doing a good job of leaving space for God? Am I doing a good job of leaving space for others? Kind of, and then with the, the phrase is be the edge, and I've and ask you to do your cards, and this is a good time to respond on your cards. Maybe some of these things will. Um, be something that you want to do. There, there are several ways that, that you can be the edge this summer. And, um, you know, so, sometimes I feel like I'm, a, uh, I'm doing an infomercial. <laughs> but I think it's important. We, you know, so, sometimes it's, some of you are just natural. You have the knack for ministry. Some, some of you, you just do ministry. You roll out of bed. Mary Gingry rolls out of bed doing ministry, Right? Some people just have the knack for it. And, and then we try to do stuff together. And, and these are all ways that you can be the edge. Ways you can give up your margin to serve other people. And, and just this, this summer, there'll be opportunities. The card-making ministry. Linda Dick was in the first service, and, and uh, she has this ministry at her home where people gather and they make cards for people. And, and, and it's this, is it this Friday night, Nancy? Or is it, was it May 4th? May the 4th be with you. Man, I feel like such a nerd. <laughs> May 4th at, at Linda Dix, and, and, and the address is in the bulletin, and, and you know, just come out, and they, they have some fellowship, and, and they make cards, and they send it to shut-ins, and people that, that, that need encouragement. That's a way to be the edge. Our prayer ministry, Sue, Sue, would you stand and wave at everybody? Yeah, thank you, Sue. Yeah. <laughs> Sue's responsible for our prayer ministry, and, and, and we have several groups, but we have one group on Friday mornings that meet, what time do they meet on Friday mornings? 9.30 a.m. There may be somebody here at 4.30 a.m. because I didn't have the right day, so I just told them to get here at 4.30 and wait till you guys showed up, okay? <laughs> so 9.30 on Fridays, they meet in, in the prayer room in the back, and they spend time praying. That, that is using your margin 
to bless other people. And we would like to start other groups. If, if you're interested in starting a group in your living room, in your kitchen, at, at Starbucks or at McDonald's, see Sue and we'll, we'll help you and we'll, we'll encourage you along the way. Sharon and Terry's visitation. Uh, I visit still, uh, but I can't visit everyone as much as I'd like. And so Sharon Carcone and Terry Moore have undertaken this part of our ministry and they're out there like beavers uh, visiting people. They're doing a great job. Maybe you have time to stop and spend 15 minutes, 20 minutes with a, with a shut-in. I tell you, can I tell you, you'll be blessed more than you'll be a blessing. Uh, but see me, mark on your card and we'll put you in contact with them. Um, May 5th. 2018 is the Walk for Life, and I thought I saw Angie back there. And so, we, you know, if you're interested in that, mark your card. It's in your bulletin. Just a good way to use your margin to, to bless a ministry. Uptown Friday nights. I think uh, Emily was in the first service. Uptown Friday nights, Emily leads our going ministry, and, and we partner with Living Hope. And, and Uptown Friday nights in Marysville, we paint faces. I saw Rodney. How many faces have you painted last summer, Rodney? You and Nancy, probably, probably close to 2,000 faces. <laughs> you think I'm exaggerating. They paint faces hour upon hour. And, and it's just a ministry, just, just demonstrating the love of Jesus Christ. Um, I, I believe the church should be attractional. I do. I, I believe that the church should do things to draw people to them. But the most important thing we can do as a church now is be missional. There, there was a day when people got to a certain age or they encountered, you know, they began to have kids or they encountered some problem in their life and the church became relevant and they came back. That age is gone for many people. And so as Jesus was incarnational, as Jesus was missional, as Jesus went to where people were, we, his church, have to go where people are. And so we still do a fall fun fest and we do vacation Bible school, but the most important ministries we are doing are those ministries where we're outside these walls encountering people right where they are. Now, it's possible you, you can create parties in the park, and, and you can do all those things. And, but, but what if instead of creating things, we simply became a part of the things that were already going on? And, and so Uptown Friday Nights is a space, a place, a margin where you can encounter people. Mark on your card if you're interested in that. VBS, July 15th through 19th. We have the right date on there now? I had the wrong date. July 15th through 19th. That's a Sunday through a Thursday. Uh, we, we need you. For vacation, Bible school to matter, we need you. It can't just be Pastor Kim. It can't just be staff. It needs to be you guys. So I encourage you, if you're interested in signing up, sign up. Uh, work and witness trip to the Native American Christian Academy, which is at the end of July. And, and there's still space. Um, it's going to be about $700 to go and stay. And that, that's the total cost. That's pretty reasonable. Uh, that's flight and everything. Uh, I need to get tickets the 1st of May. And so if you're interested in going, I need your money uh, by, by April 29th so I can order tickets. And, and you need to be signed up. Uh, mark on the card if you have more interest in that. A Toledo party in the park back to school August 12th. Uh, Jacob Hawes will be here July 29th. Jacob is um, ministering in Toledo. 
and uh, Toledo is a town that has went through some hard times, and, and, and Jacob is, is, is ministering that community, and he's going to be here on July 29th, and he's going to share with us during our generation service, and so I hope you come out. And then August 12th, joining with other churches on our network of Nazarene churches in, in our area, we're going to go to Toledo and have a back-to-school park party for kids. And uh, I'd encourage you, if you're interested in that, sign up. And I'm hoping that we can leave sign-ups open until July 29th when Jacob's here and he can explain it more, but we'll keep you updated on what's going on. Serve Day, September 22nd. Uh, Emily has, has coordinated this with other churches and with Neighbor to Neighbor, uh, with Living Hope and other churches in our community. I, I don't know if you guys realize you live in a special community in that churches work together. <laughs> Um, MAMA is the Ministerial Association. It's, it's Ministerial Association of Marysville Association or something. I don't know what it is. You know, it's what... <laughs> and we, we truly work together, and we, we, we do things together. And, and, and it's a blessing to be part of a community that truly works together where the kingdom of God matters than, more than an individual church. <laughs> now, honestly, I'd like to be part of the Youth Association. Anybody know the name of the Youth Association for MAMA? Yo mama, that's right. <laughs> I want to be part of your mama, um, but they, I'm too old, so never mind. So September 22nd will be serve day, and that's on a Saturday. And if you're interested in that, put a note on your card, and later in the service you can drop it in the giving boxes in the back or leave it in your chairs. So many ways to be involved. This past week, I was with a district gathering with Mark Bain. Mark Bain is the evangelistic, uh, evangelism and new church development developer for the Church of the Nazarene, and so he's in from Kansas City, and he met with several of us pastors. And, and I got to tell you, I was convicted by my time with him, uh, because even in his busyness, he intentionally leaves space to lead people to relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what it's about, isn't it? And so he talked about how he would, he would give an hour and end up being four hours, but he did that intentionally because he knew if he wasn't intentional with his time, he wouldn't do it. And it was convicting to this pastor. See, the time is short. Amen? Time is short. Whether Jesus is coming soon or whether the end of our days are soon, James says life is but a vapor. It's here and it's gone. And what people do with Jesus is the only thing that matters. And I got to tell you, it's convicting to your pastor and it's drawing me somewhere new. God is calling me. God is leading me to be more convicted for the lost. We have the salvation candle here. And I got to tell you, every week I come in and when it's lit, I celebrate. But the week after weeks that it's not lit, I mourn. And there's been times in my ministry here I've thought, you know, maybe we ought to just take that down. Let's, let's just take that down. And I've resisted because since I've been here, the thing I want to see this church become is a church that cares about lost people. I got to tell you, that's where your, your pastor's going. And I guess what I'm asking you today is, will you go with me? I know where God's sending me and where God's taking me, and it's for lost people. And I believe it's where he wants to take us as a church. I just wonder if some of you want to go along with me for the ride. Can I tell you? I believe it'll be the adventure of a lifetime. I believe it will transform not only you, people that you know's lives, but I think it'll transform your life and your family's life. So maybe you're interested in that, and 
I want to hear more about it and mark on your card and you'll hear later from me. We intentionally leave space for prayer here and uh, it's only 1145. I don't think Bob Evans even opens till 1215. So (laughs) we've got 30 minutes. And so um, I don't know, I just feel the need to pray at an altar today and uh, no pressure. Maybe God's leading you in that direction. You can pray in your pews as well, but our altars are always available. It's just a great place to encounter God. So um, all heads bowed, all eyes closed. Let's spend some time talking to God, letting him speak to us. And and then Pastor Bob's going to close us in prayer.